everyone. Welcome back to the Brick by Brick podcast. Um, I'm Royce. And that's Jacob. And I'm Jacob. <laughs> Man, is this episode nine? It is. Well, Holy I mean, cow. we have episode zero. Yeah. So I guess this is ten. Technically but really, ten, but it's going to be it's going to be nine. Really, it's nine. We got to plan the uh, episode ten spectacular. We yeah, got to plan. We, we got to plan um, brick by brick podcast chapter two, like Fortnite. It's just like <laughs> we just go to chapter two at uh, episode ten. So uh, is uh, is is episode ten the end of season one? Is I that guess what we're so. gonna go. I okay. guess so. I don't know. We should just do that. So. Yeah, 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 let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> Granted, there, that's not any uh, any promises that we'll get right back on the horse any faster, or you yeah, know, that's true. Uh, ep- season two might be you know right on its heels, or you know, a couple months out. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, it's been a while, but not as long as usual. It's true. Luckily, luckily, even with at. the issues, yeah. as you can see, my microphone's different. Yeah, we had issues, but we're yeah, there good. were some technical difficulties, but um, I think we're I think we're good to go. We're going to be jumping right back into judges. We're going to be talking a little bit more about the Lord's Prayer and some cultural issues that we're going to be shedding some light on. Okay, yeah, I've already thought of the uh, the name for the third segment. I'm so excited. Yes, I'll uh, I'll tell I'll tell you later. But all um, right, we can't. Spoil yeah, it. don't want to spoil it. Well, no, it will be spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> so my you're, you're going to read it. <laughs> yeah. My um my title for this third segment, detonating C four. Nice, <laughs> nice. Dude, I thought about that like while you were praying. There you go. Dude. Can't That's believe awesome. I admitted that, but whatever. All right. <laughs> well, that just means that it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right? it was the Holy Spirit giving me special revelation for uh. Oh for yeah, <laughs> that was a joke. That was yes, a joke. that was. <laughs> All right, well, man. Yeah, let's uh let's go ahead and get into judges. Yeah, we're gonna get into judges. Uh, Judges chapter 4, we're going to talk about the entire chapter. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, so if you would like, you could pause this, read the chapter, and then jump back in, but um, I'm just going to quickly summarize it, and then we'll get into the talking points that we have about this chapter. So, Judges chapter 4, of course, Israel once again is doing what was evil in God's sight after Ehud died. No way. Yeah. Can't Once believe again, it. they're doing the evil thing. Uh, it says that God hands them over to their enemies, and they start crying out for relief again. We've seen this time and time already in just four chapters of Judges. So we've got Deborah. Deborah's the judge. Uh, Deborah calls for this guy named Barak, and she says, Hey, didn't God tell you to get your troops together and fight Sisera? And didn't he promise you victory? And Barak says, Well, if you go with me, I will go. So Deborah agrees to go. Uh, now Sisera, he hears that they're coming to fight, so he gathers his 900 chariots. That's a lot. That's very intimidating, 900 chariots. And he went to fight. Now Deborah looks at Barak, and she says, Get up. This is the day that the Lord has brought you victory. So they go to fight, and it says, The Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of his sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. So he's running away on foot, and he ends up in a tent that belongs to Jael. Mm-hmm. Right? Now Jael says, hey, come on in, Sisera. It's okay. Don't be afraid. So he, he goes in there, and then Jael gets him some water, you know, gets him all cozy, covers him up, and hides him. And he's like, um, hey, if anybody comes in here, don't, let it, don't tell them I'm here. And she's like, okay, uh, cool, I got it. Well, once Sisera is under the blanket, 
This is what Jael does. She takes a tent peg and a hammer. She takes those two things and she hammers his head to the ground. Straight through his temple. That is what the Bible says. Mm. Uh, yeah, she hammered that guy's head to the ground. And then she goes outside and she finds Barak and she says, Hey, Sisera is dead. End chapter four. Wow. Yeah. That is gnarly. It's gnarly. It's not boring. I know we say yeah. that every week, but that you just can't you just can't tell me that's boring. I mean, it's just not. So the first thing we're gonna look at is uh they once again have fallen back into their cycle of sin. Yeah. Um man, you know it's really difficult to be creative in sin. This is what Dale Ralph Davis talks about in his yeah. commentary. Yeah. He talks about how sin is just the same monotonous stuff over and over. And for a lot of people, you may have one or two sins that you just you struggle with, and that's a real struggle. Yeah. But it's just the same thing, you know, over yeah. and over again. And that's what we're seeing with the Israelites. They just turn to idols yeah. over and over and Absolutely. over again. You know, God, he steps in, he saves them, he sends the judge, and then the judge dies. And then they go back to their idols. I mean, just <laughs> over and over. I mean, you just know. We know that it every... Like clockwork. You're correct. Yeah, just, I mean, every chapter we're going to read, it's it's the same thing. Oh, again, they did what was evil in God's sight. The same things over and over Where again. Where they did what was right in their own eyes. Yes, so that's it was wrong. A, that's such a wonderful phrase, is they did what was right in their own eyes. Like, mm-hmm. what a, what an easy way to just summarize all of our issues yeah. <laughs> as humans. Well, I did it. I mean, it, it looked like it worked. Yeah. You know, it, it looked good to me. It felt right. Yeah, it felt right. You know, and how could it have felt right? And we might talk about that later, about things feeling right yeah. and them being wrong. Mm-hmm. No way. So... Something that I've heard a lot is this, um, almost this indictment against Christians mm-hmm. that just says, well, being a Christian is boring. Yeah. I'm talking about, um, I remember I, I was interning in California when I was in college and we did this summer camp and I was given the group of teenage boys that were just known for being problems. Yeah. You know, they, they were 17, 18, they were right on the verge of going to college and they were just like, you, you couldn't tell them anything. Yeah. There was one night where we were sitting down, and I was like, all right, guys, look. I mean, let's just cut the crap, okay? Like, I know that you don't believe this stuff, so I'm not going to sit here and, like, go through the small group questions as if you guys are, like, being legit. Let's just let's talk about why do you guys not believe? Like, what is it? And they all said Christians are weird, being a Christian is boring, and I just don't, just don't want to do that. I don't want to have a boring life. But the irony about this is that I could I could look them in the eyes and I could say, oh, is, is that is that right? Okay. I'm going to tell you exactly how you're going to spend every weekend for the next five months. You're going to go to parties. You're going to drink. You're going to probably do drugs. You're probably going to have sex. You're probably going to do all these things. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> how is that not boring? I mean, it's the same stuff. Over and over and over again. It's yeah. this it's this routine, you know? But the thing about being a Christian is it's exciting. Yeah. I mean, it is exciting to be walking with God. It's not the same thing over and over and over again. I mean, sure, yeah, you're right. we, we go to church, okay? And I guess from the outside, that can be seen as boring. 
but I think we talked about this recently. Church is not boring. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, sure, there are times where we're not all there. We're yeah, thinking about sometimes when Sunday hits you pretty hard. Exactly. It's a little early, but but like yeah. let's let's think about what's actually happening during church. You're worshiping your Creator and your Savior. You know, yeah. you're hearing God's word exposited. You should be hearing that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, I mean. I yeah, just, and you should be fellowshipping with other believers and yeah. talking about it and learning yes. more about it, right? Yeah. So that when you get in those situations where you're meant to be worshiping, you know who you're worshiping. You understand right. what they've done and who they are. Um, yeah, I didn't. I hadn't thought about it the exact way you just put it. The idea that like, I we know how you are going to spend your life. Yeah, and you're just going to do it over. And like mm-hmm. we we've seen it. I've seen it. I still didn't think yeah. about that. Um, it's just. It's it's what um I remember when I was studying philosophy in uh, undergrad, uh, there was a philosopher who talked about um, the people who live those kind of lives, right? Yep. Where where all you have is the day to day life. Mm-hmm. What they would do is they would do what he'd call um, rotating your crops. So you'd find some interest or something to obsess over. Yeah. And you'd obsess over and do it 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 until it becomes stale. Mm-hmm. Then you switch to something else. And that's yeah. like yeah. that's the best you can do. <laughs> yeah, and that yeah, and yeah. that's and that and this this idea of, of of you know living and indulging in your sin, that is the best you can think the, the best yeah. best case scenario is you pick a different sin sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, so gosh, that is, and you wear it out, and you wear it out until even, even to you, yeah, that to sin you, it's boring. Gets boring, and you're like, hmm, I gotta move on to the next thing. Dang, it's- or you have to double down and keep doubling down until yeah. it wears itself out. Then, yeah, yeah, golly, that is crazy. And I, I mean, I just can't, I can't stress enough that walking with God, having a real relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not boring. It is exciting. I mean, when I just think about my life, I, I would have, 10 years ago, all right, I was 15, okay? I was in your shoes, Calvary, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Walking the halls, and I was thinking about, oh, what am I going to do with my life? I'm going to play college football, you know? I'm going to be a, uh, oh, break by break. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a bad omen. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play college football. God, what are you trying to tell us? <laughs> That's you know? a joke. Yes. That's a joke. Yes, it is. Anyways. Sorry. <laughs> that's what I was telling myself, right? I'm gonna play college football. Uh, maybe I'm gonna be like a I'm gonna be a chiropractor. I'm gonna do these things. And you know, college football is great. I'll, I'll go go dogs, right? Yeah. Amazing. Being a chiropractor, it's awesome. You know? But when I look at my life now and what God has me doing now, to me, it's so much more exciting than any any of those other things. Yeah. Know? So it's like as as you're saying, Lord show me what you want me to do with my life. And you don't really know what's coming, but you know that you can trust yeah. what God is going to bring before you. That's exciting. It really is. Um, I remember like back when I didn't know what I wanted to do, I was just kind of working and, you know, carrying windows and stuff. I, I still wanted to go to grad school. And, you know, the thought of just like moving to Louisiana and just studying a bunch of old dead people, you know, I was like, man, that sounds great. But now, like my life now, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. Like that felt, that had so much uncertainty. Mm. But like now it's like, dude, I actually, I actually get to serve God in some sense. You know, I get to work at Calvary. I get to, you know, 
talk about my beliefs. I got to talk about um, the solas with Gavin in class. That's awesome. Yeah. We just like, I was like, you know what? Y'all aren't listening to civics. Let's pause, <laughs> <laughs> Let's pause for a sec. And that was fun. And like having those opportunities, like they're, are they all, you know, it's always a, an adventure. And um, I remember, I think I was reading uh, Chesterton, and he was talking about this same issue of we don't really understand freedom. We don't really understand what it means to be free and what it means to be just in bondage to something else. So he talked about how, um, I, I, can't remember the, I can't remember how well he, he um, used this analogy, but he talked about how, you know, Animals are free, right? Animals wander and do whatever they want, right? But they're dependent on shelter and water and food. So you're really not free because you're dependent on those things, right? And for the most part, us as humans, in order to get those things, we need to settle down. We need to find a place and establish our foundations and establish our roots so it's easier to cultivate those things. Well, that doesn't sound like freedom anymore, does it? It sounds like we... We have to lay foundations in order for us to have freedom, right? And that means we must have our foundations and our roots and our anchor in something. Yeah. So what's the best place to put those foundations, those anchors? Probably the Word of God. Yeah. If, if that's where our, our, our roots and our anchors are at, then we truly are free, mm-hmm. right? But freedom, you know, it sounds you know kind of uh, oxymoronic, but freedom has to have those boundaries, yeah. right, in order for it to be freedom. Mm-hmm. Because if we just did whatever we wanted, you know, which is what people think when we say freedom, yeah. I'm I'm not really free. I'm just bound to whatever mm-hmm. desire or whatever impulse I had, yeah. you know? And when you get into that mindset of I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do, you become just like the Israelites. Yeah, or an animal, you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, I'm kidding. I mean, you never know what's coming next in your walk with the Lord. Um, but the amazing thing about it is you do know that God is in control. Yeah. That you can trust his perfect plan. That means even whenever you look around and you're going, man, life is doesn't seem very good right now. It doesn't change the fact. Yeah. That God is in control. That God is good. And you can trust in his perfect plan. So let's not just fall into that monotony, monotonous, you know, following your your pleasures and your desires and whatnot. You have yeah. to be rooted in Christ. That's, yeah. that's what and Rose one is of getting the, at. One of the cool uh once again Paul Washer, uh he was he he was talking about like raising his son and he his son always asked him because <laughs> like he Paul Washer's like always speaking and traveling and stuff like that. And he said that one day his son came up to him and was like, What do you do? Like what do you do for a job? Like you're always going places <laughs> and he tells his son uh, I'll tell you, but you have to, you know, you have to know I'm, I'm being perfectly serious. He's like, okay, well, what do you do? He's like, son, I slay dragons. And it's like, wait, really? And then you think about it, it's like he is going and preaching the gospel to a hostile world like you basically are, yeah. you know? You basically are slaying dragons. And we have that mentality of like, this is this is an epic thing you're a part of. This is, is this is, you know, this is extraordinary, you know. You have to have that mindset, or you you are gonna fall into that that trap of just thinking like, oh, everything is boring, man. Mm-hmm. Christianity is boring. Like, um, I know Mason's been listening to like all these these pastors and stuff like that, and um, he said he was listening to uh, like one of the Q and A's where it's like John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul, and he's like, 
it was the funniest thing I ever listened to. These people bantering back and forth, just talk about these issues. And it's right. like, yes, mm-hmm. there is fun to be had. You can, you can tell jokes. You can be funny without being inappropriate. You can tell jokes without cussing, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, that's just, that's the goal is to. That's even like whenever, whenever we talk about different pastors that we enjoy listening to, it's like we would rather listen to a sermon of theirs because yeah. at some point they're going to crack a joke. Yeah. The jokes are hilarious. Yeah, they're, they're hilarious. They're way funnier than any of the other mess that you can hear yeah. in other places. Absolutely. So being a Christian, it's not boring, you know. Um, and, and, if, and if you find yourself saying, like, I'm not going to be a Christian because that life is just boring, then that's just a, a cop-out. It's not a good answer. That's, that's just not a good reason, you know, because it's not true. You're, not, you're, you're telling a lie. You've convinced yourself to believe yeah. this lie. You're boring. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. Oh, you're going to, what are you going to do instead? Well, I was going to watch them too. Oh, TikToks. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean the content where it's the same content over and over and over again, but mm-hmm. pe- different people do it. Well, yeah, I was going to, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you guys get the point. Um, so we're going to move on here a little bit in Judges. So next thing, uh, Ehud, we talked about him a few weeks ago. He's dead. Shamgar, he's dead. And as soon as these judges are dead, Uh what does Israel do? Uh, They do whatever they want. Whatever they want. (laughs) All right. Uh, And we've kind of touched on this before, but we have it again. Ehud and Shamgar die, and the Israelites just go crazy. So when you take away the outside pressure of a judge, of someone who is watching them, when you don't have that, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do whatever we want now because we're yeah. not going to get in trouble, you know? Uh, at least that's what they think. So seeing that in the Israelites makes me wonder, okay, are you only a Christian, right, because of your surroundings? You know what I mean? Are yeah. You, are, are you only behaving well because your parents are watching? Yeah. Or because your teachers are watching? Or has there been a genuine internal <laughs> work of God. Most of the time, they're not even good when the teachers are watching. Yeah. When you walk out of that room, it now it becomes the outer darkness. Mm-hmm. It becomes weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's yeah. all that happens. Yeah. So you can you can see in the Israelites where they're like, oh, he's gone. We can do whatever we want. You know? I think I've told this story before, um, but football season back in the fall, we would always take the 7th and 8th grade uh, guys up to the loft upstairs to do the uh, the film session and the devotion and everything. And um, they knew, right, that this was the, the expectation of the coaches. You go uh, and you go inside the loft and you just sit there. You're not running around. You're not playing ping pong. You're sitting on the floor. You're waiting on me to get there to do the devotion. You're waiting on Coach Cutchie to get there to take us through film. And that's it. They knew that was the expectation. So they had done pretty well. So there was one uh, one Thursday afternoon where Mason was like, we, we think they can handle it. Go send them up, and they'll sit down, and we know they're going to do the right thing. So we sent them up. The door was unlocked. They opened it. We walked in a few minutes later, and guess what? It was chaos? It was <laughs> chaos. They were running around. They were up in the sound booth. They were on the stage. They were all this. And it was like, hmm. I guess the joke's on us because the second that we took away that attention, yeah, they just went nuts, and that's what we're seeing in the Israelites. You know, so the question is: Are you only behaving well because of the way your parents 
are watching you or your teachers or coaches are watching you or has there been a genuine internal work of God in your heart? Like what what would you do, students, if your parents and your teachers and your coaches and your pastors stopped paying attention to you? What would you really do? Would you would you follow the rules still? Would you do what was right? Or would you say, oh, no one's watching. We're going to do what we want to do, you know? Um, and I think that's a question that not only students need to be asking because there are different things that adults, you know, can, can think about your Absolutely. boss. Are you going to do the right thing if your boss isn't around? Are you going to do the right thing if your pastor isn't? Same, same deal. But that's a, that's a real question that we have to ask ourselves is why are we behaving the way that we're behaving? Yeah, and I mean, it... Uh, <coughs> It shows you who your who your God really is. Mm-hmm. Like if you're good when your parents are around, but when they're not, you are a child of wrath. Um, then clearly the the issue isn't, um, you know, that you're worried about God seeing or God being witness to what you do, right? And that kind of boils down to how we see sin. Like sin can't just be the consequence of our actions. Sin has to be a transgression against God, first and foremost. And if that's if that's how we're framing it, then it does not matter if what we did never comes to light, right? Yeah. Like, you know, as in like, like no one is, con- no, like no one convicts you of the crime, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter if it never comes to light. You know you did wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. Mm-hmm. The fact that you sinned against God is enough. And it should be enough. Yeah. Right? Um. And you'll you'll see that as you guys get older and as you um you know you graduate from high school because that that first that first year in college when you're not not necessarily college but like that first year out of high school where you are given just that little bit of freedom mm-hmm. you know of doing whatever you want it's like oh I don't have to go to class huh I don't think I will yeah you know and that's where we're gonna you're really gonna see whose faith is genuine and who's been playing the game. Yeah. And I mean, that it goes for class. It goes for church. Yeah. I mean, Oh my, if you go off to school somewhere, your parents aren't. Yeah. Oh, my parents aren't here to uh, take me to church every Sunday. That means, yeah. I, that means I can sleep in a little bit. You yeah. Know? Um, so yeah, I mean, we just have to ask ourselves, why are we doing the things that we do? Or are yeah. we, are we doing this because, because we love God? And I always think of Joseph, right? Um, Joseph and, and Potiphar's wife, right? Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with him. His answer was not, whoa, whoa. Like, he, he, Potiphar's going to kill me if I, it, it yeah, was nothing. It, it wasn't like, that. man, what if people see? It was immediately straight to, how could I do that evil against my God? Yeah. Because he understood that God is always watching. He's always there, you know? And we know that truth, but sometimes we fear man yeah. more than we fear God and seeing it all the time. So I think uh, Joseph's a great example of, of just living that out. You know, the yeah. first thought, if our first thought could be, you know, I'm not going to fall into that temptation because that would grieve God's heart. Yeah. That we, we'd be in a, in a good place if that was the first thing that came to our minds. And also, um, don't, like, like Jacob said, don't think this is just an issue you young people are dealing with. Yeah. I think that's a big problem that we see um, kind of, I don't want to say the church, but a lot of the times I hear it's all just putting on the young people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And these aren't just the young people's problems. This isn't the middle schoolers' problems. It's not the high schoolers' problems. Not the college-age kids' problems. Yeah, this is humanity problems in general. It's just the the problems might manifest in different ways. Like the young people are probably going to be more compelled to go crazy 
when they get to college and have that freedom. Yeah. Right. But there are other pitfalls that more mature people can fall into as well. Like thinking that, you know, I, I think it's, I think Paul Washer talked about it as well. The idea of just kind of that, that moralistic Christianity where you just, this is benefit to have a good family. It is beneficial and pragmatic for me to go to church and make sure they're raised in that area where they're with other Christian kids and they're not with the hooligans. Right. And that's not correct either. Yeah. Right. It can't just be the place you go on Wednesdays and on Sundays. It has to be the, the through line of your family. It has to be the, the foundation of, you know, your entire, you know, of your fatherhood, of your motherhood, of your, your marriage. It can't just be a sideshow. <clears throat> yeah, that's good. So last last point here from Judges. Uh, like we've seen before in the book, uh, these verses present a problem to some people. Yeah. And the problem, I think, is clearly that they're bothered by Jael and what she did to Sisera. Um, you know, this is the classic thing where people will say, well, wow, if that's in the Bible, if that's what your God, Golly. if that's what your God condones, you know, then which he doesn't, we'll get into that, but they'll go, oh, well then I don't want I don't want a part of it. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want this because wow, there's so much murder in the Bible. Mm, how could you worship a God mm-hmm. like that? You know that, um, yeah. So let's not be bothered by it. Okay. We've talked about it before. Um, Sisera, right? So he, he walks into that camp because there's a treaty, right, between him and that camp. So it wasn't like he just randomly stumbled on a camp and he was like, oh, will you protect me? It was like he, he went to this place and because he, he knew, he thought he knew that he could confide mm-hmm. in the people here, right? But he didn't know that God had someone on the inside, pretty yeah. much, you know? So Giles says, yeah, come in, you know, and he thinks that he's safe, and he he felt so safe that he fell into a deep sleep. He was under those blankets, and he was like, yes, I know I'm safe, and the dude fell asleep. It wasn't like, you know, whenever I'm nervous about something, I can't sleep. Yeah, yeah. But this guy felt safe. He felt secure, so he fell asleep. But Giles grabbed the tent peg and the hammer and walked up beside him and just drove it into the ground, you know? So let's just talk about this for a second. First of all, it's not a figurative hammer, okay? <laughs> it's not, it, Ehud wasn't, he have didn't have a figurative have dagger. Have people spun it like that? Um, this one? Uh, so in the commentary, again, uh, apparently some people will say the hammer is the hammer of God's word that defeats our sleeping enemies. <laughs> it's the hammer of God's word that penetrates the uh, the soft temples of our unbelieving brethren. Uh, yeah, that, that, everybody knows that's a stretch. Yeah. Okay, the hammer yeah. of God's word that defeats our sleeping enemies. And then he, he, she comes out and says, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. What does that mean? Figuratively dead. No. He's figuratively dead, but he's figuratively alive because he's now, you know, placed his faith in God. <laughs> um, so it's not a figurative <laughs> hammer, all right? Now, sometimes a dilemma like this can be figured out by remembering that there is a difference between what the Bible reports and what the Bible supports. Yes. Reporting and supporting are Very different. Good. I okay? like that. Now, an example here is the Bible reports about uh, the multiple wives that Solomon had. Yes. Very right? good. It reports it. Yes. It reports he had it. these wives and he had these concubines, but it never says these were good actions. This is such a good point because we always see people like, 
well, look at the Bible says all like you know Abraham had wives and you know Solomon had wives and like why why are they allowed to do that? It's like how that how well did that work out? Did it go well? Did Solomon's many wives work out well for him? Did it? Well, no, it didn't, didn't it? No, it didn't. Because Solomon was pulled away by all his many wives yeah. and their beliefs. Right. So it's almost as if it intrinsically doesn't turn out well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Golly. You, are you okay? You okay? No, I'm not okay. You want some water? <laughs> no, no, I've got you... my chemicals over here. <laughs> so uh, you're right. But this is this is interesting. Okay? Yeah. Because, uh, so I guess we could just conclude, okay, uh, the Bible doesn't support what Gile did. But let's read a little bit. Let's, let's keep going. Yes, please. Maybe the Bible doesn't support her actions, but it kind of seems like it does. kind of seems like she did, a, she did a good thing. Because in chapter 5, spoiler, Deborah applauds and cheers on what she did. So the Bible is pro-Gile. I believe it. It's it's pro. It's not pro murder. Yeah. But Jael is praised for what she did. We have to always zoom out and look at the big picture. Because as we said way back when we first started covering judges, you can get lost in the events that are happening and the people and the craziness of what's going on. But we have to stay focused on the big picture. And the big picture is that God is delivering his people. So he used this woman to deliver his people. He kept coming back, right? These people who have forsaken him, they're crying out to him, not in repentance. They're just crying out because of their misery. We again are met with God's compassion for his people. And he used this woman to save them and give them rest, right? Yeah. And think about the con. Like I don't, I, I haven't really workshopped this idea. I, I kind of just after reading it, and especially after you saying that she was um, applauded by Deborah. Maybe the point here is that we are comparing Barak to um, Jael, right? Because here you have once again the person who is expected to lead this army not acting because mm-hmm. of lack of faith. Yeah. A man with how, what was his forces? Does it number his forces? Or did it number um, Sisera's forces? Sisera. Okay. Regardless, he was told victory is yours. Yeah. It is time to fight, and yet he would not go unless Deborah accompanied him. And yet Jael, who simply lets this person to their home, mm-hmm. is willing to do what needs to be done. Yeah. With literal equipment, with tools. Yeah. Right. So. I feel as though we're supposed to be comparing and contrasting. Like, mm-hmm. look at look at what all all it took was faith. Mm-hmm. All it took was yeah. She she did what she was supposed to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's good. She did. She did what Brock should have done. Yeah, he exactly. Didn't have the faith to do. Um. So rather than finding issues with the story, we need to be focused on the main thing, and the main thing is God's salvation. And we need to be rejoicing that God is a God who saves. Yeah. And He's going to do things. Clearly, that we may not understand, yeah, right. But whatever he does is good. Whatever he does is right, you know. So let's not read this and, and find problems with it. Let's read it because it's God's word, and let's let's trust in the fact that it is His word, you know. So that's Judges four. 
And we're going to move <coughs> on to this next segment here. Royce, why don't you go ahead and... Uh... We are, you're scooting through. So we're talking a little bit more about the um, the Lord's Prayer, but also prayer in general, all right, in this second, uh, this second portion. So we're still working through the acrostic of Acts, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So today we're looking at um, confession and confession of sin. And also I want to look at just this, the second line, or I guess second petition or second expectation of the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus gave us this template to use to pray to Him or to pray to God of, you know, here's how you should do it. Here's some, here's some helpful tips on how to pray effectively. Do not say, do, you don't have to say this specifically or exactly, but these are things that you should keep in mind when praying. Um, the first one we're, we won't have to really hit on for too long. It's your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as is as it is in heaven. Okay? So there's two directions we can go with this statement. Um, number one is that we are, through this statement, acknowledging that God's kingdom will come, it will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I know it feels like I just repeated what I just said. <laughs> but the idea here is God is sovereign. God's will cannot be thwarted. What he desires to come to pass, will come to pass. And then he tells us, just like it is in heaven, it is on on earth, right? So what he wills will happen. And secondly, it is us reading this or praying this and saying, I commit myself to its accomplishment. Your plan, what your will is in this world, is my will in this world. I will do what you expect me. I will do what you ask of me. Yeah. Right, um, I remember hearing. Uh, I, I, whenever I hear the "on earth as in as it is in heaven," um, I always think of uh, Justin Peters when he's talking about uh, the uh, prosperity people who will be like, "Well, you know, God, God doesn't have dominion over the earth. The earth's been given over to the devil, so he doesn't have the the the, the, the he doesn't have the jurisdiction or whatever." And then uh, Justin Peters will read that verse from I think Psalms where it's like. Uh, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. And then he's like, and on earth as well, or whatever, whatever the second part of the verse is. But um, it always, that always cracks me up. It's like, yes, he is going to do whatever he wills on earth and in heaven. It is all his. It's all under his jurisdiction. Um, so it's something we need to remember, especially when we're praying, right? Because I remember hearing uh, someone had this... Uh, quote about prayer where they said um, why pray to God if he's sovereign and then the response is why pray to God if he isn't right if he's not sovereign why pray to him you know if he's not the one in control if he's not the one who you know is in control of all things then why pray to someone who can fail why pray to someone who can not possibly not get the job done right so that's something we need to remember when we're praying is that you know God is sovereign God is in control um, and for the most part, if he wasn't, there's no point in praying at all, yeah. right? If he's not, if he's not sovereign, why am I confessing to him? Because if he's not sovereign, he's not the the supreme creator. Why am I giving him thanks? If he's not sovereign, why am I, you know, conf- or, I already said confessing. Sorry. Why am I adoring him? Mm-hmm. If why am I adoring this person? If he's not sovereign, if he's not who he is, why mm-hmm. bother doing all these things? If he's not sovereign, why ask him for stuff, mm-hmm. right? So we need to really keep ourselves. We need to make sure that our uh, lenses are clear when yeah. we are, you know, praying to him. We are, you know, uh, talking to him and conversing with him and communing with him. 
Um, and then finally, looking at the confession of sin, um, it is, in my opinion, I, I think I only think this, this is an opinion. This is vital to the Christian life: is confessing our sin, right? Um, letting sins go unconfessed, go, like getting into this mindset or this routine of sinning, and then just thinking it's covered. It's covered by Christ's blood, which it is. It is, but if we get out of that routine, it gets easier and easier and easier to drift away from confessional in general or completely and just kind of go headlong into sinning and just think, all right, it's fine. It's fine. It's all covered. But if we, if we keep with that, you know, um, that repentance, that, that constant cycle of, you know, approaching the throne of grace saying, God, I did this. This is sin. You call this sin. I call it sin as well. I did wrong. I deserve eternal, you know, condemnation for what I've done. Yet again, yet you forgive me. Right. Right. That's an important thing for us to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Right. That's literally us preaching the gospel to ourselves, which we're told to do. Right. And we should keep in that because we're told that we're we're to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So if you're not doing that, you're doing the opposite of bearing fruit, so you won't bear fruit, yeah. right? I think that's a, that's a pretty fair statement to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think an important thing to look at look at is uh, John one, right? This is the this is the 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 big um, kind of assurance for the believer, and also you know if you're not a believer, this should kind of help you you know question whether you are or not, right? So looking at verse five, and this will come into play in the next segment as well. Um, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim it to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Um, that's an important line. To say, if we say we do not have sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. I, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty drastic statement to make. Saying that if I if I say I'm sinless and I'm not sinning or I don't do that anymore, I've never sinned. Uh, could a Christian really say that? No, a Christian is going to understand they do still sin, which is why we have to confess. Which is why it's necessary that we do confess. Mm. Right? I do know. You, uh, do you think that? Do you think that kind of if if you're not in a pattern of confessing your sin, do you think that almost like in effect, what you are communicating is like I don't need to do that? Yeah, you know I, mean, I mean if if it's out of sight and out of mind, yeah, yeah, I'd say that's that's a that's a kind of uh, bad place to be. Yeah, I'm not saying that you're you know, I don't want to say you're not saved. Yeah, but you are putting yourself through hardship mm-hmm. by doing that. You're not you're not going to feel. And I don't want to put too much, you know, weight on feelings, but right. if you are constantly sinning and not turning to God for for confession, for you know, forgiveness, then it's just going to compound and get worse, and you're going to feel worse, and you're going to find God's will in your life harder to see. Mm-hmm. It's going to seem more out of reach, right? Um, which is why the, the next portion talks about how if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here we have him saying, just come, mm-hmm. like come to me and, and for forgiveness. Yeah. 
Like I, he says, I am faithful and I am just to forgive. And because, and because of what Christ did, because of his perfect life and his sacrifice for our sins, he can do that. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I, I, I can hold, I can, I can take your sin and forgive you yeah. because of what Christ did. I can do that for you. So just come and ask for forgiveness. I'm here. I'm right here yeah. waiting. Yeah, that's right. Really good. That reminds me of also what I guess it's First John, where he says, "I'm writing these things so that you may not sin." Yeah. Right. Then he says, "If or, or when you do sin, yes, you have an advocate in Christ Jesus the Father." Yes. So when we do sin, because we will, um, why are we not running straight to Christ? You know, I'm just saying, Jesus, please forgive me. I've done this and. And your word promises that you are faithful and just to forgive. And so here I am again, confessing my sin to you, you know. And like you said, it keeps you in that mindset of really understanding, like, when, when I sin, it is high treason. Yes. And I deserve hell for yeah. sin, you know. So Every time. Yeah. Like, that. that's that's one thing that's just, it's so hard to wrap our minds around is that every little sin, There's no, first of all, there's no, exi- there's no such thing. Mm-hmm. And second of all, it's like, Every one of them mm-hmm. is grounds for eternal life in hell yeah. or eternal death and whatever, right? Yeah. So, like, the, the fact that we can get in this mindset, me included, of it making it so flippant, you know, it's it's terrifying. It's one of those, I remember um, Paul Washer was talking about uh, how someone asked him a question of, like, you know, why is it that God is just, doesn't just make us perfect? Like immediately, once we become Christians, why don't we just? Why doesn't he just make us perfect? And he said, probably so you remember what Christ did for you, mm-hmm. right? So you remember, like, you were saved, and you have to keep remembering why you were saved. You have to keep remembering that Christ did this for you, instead yeah. of you going on from there and living a perfect life. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, I'm pretty perfect because yeah. I, I assure you, if I, if that's how the rules worked, um. And I got saved at like 18 years old. That'd probably be a good 80 years of pride after that. Yep. You know, I was like, oh, I'm perfect. Well, because mm-hmm. that that 50 years in the rear view, that might that might look a little smaller to me. That salvation. So, yeah, like remembering that you know, you you need a savior. You need to confess your sins. It, it keeps you humble. It keeps you. You know, it keeps you in the right place and your view of God in the right place. <clears throat> but um, it continues, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So we have a bunch of really, really big indictments here saying that if you try to say that you can, you do not sin, you have not sinned, you are making God a liar, first of all, because he's saying you are yeah. a lot. He says it many times, you know, and uh, I know this this kind of, was it was a big thing a couple of years ago, but I remember uh, I don't know if we knew, I don't know if you talked about it on the podcast, but uh, when Trump was like, uh, "What do I need to confess for? I've never mm-hmm. I, I haven't sinned. I don't think <laughs> I have to." It's like everyone who's like, "Well, is Trump a Christian?" It's like, "Uh, well, uh, looking at what he just said, yeah. if just looking at what he just said, right. it doesn't look good, right?" Um, I know people love on you know whichever side of the aisle you know would be frustrated with that but it's like we have scripture in front of us mm-hmm. we have a statement recorded um that's not that's not good yeah right um so in the same way if we're if we're saying certain things aren't sin first of all it's not your place to say if it's not sin or not 
Sin is sin. Yeah. It's like math is math, right? <laughs> um, you don't get to decide. Um, and when you when you have to face God that 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 last day, you're not gonna you know, you're not gonna have your your little your notes where you're like, okay, well, um, I know that you say this is sin, but actually, in my opinion, it's not. No, that's not gonna be how it works. It doesn't. It does not matter what you think. Yeah. And it's a hard thing to hear, um, especially in 2022 when everyone thinks that everyone's opinion matters, right? But ultimately, it's it's not going to matter. What you think about something, especially when it comes to right and wrong, sin and righteousness, what you think does not matter. Mm. What God has said is what matters. Yeah. Um, that's why it's, it's important to, to preach these things as they are instead of trying to, you know, we were talking about it um, on Friday during the uh, little the lunch Bible study. Right, we were talking about like all these issues where it's like people are trying to go back to the Bible with these new lenses, these lenses of 2022, these lenses of I've read the literature, those lenses of well, in this case, from this point of view, right, these things that are happening, we we we're trying to put the Bible on trial when in actuality the Bible puts everything else on trial. We don't get to come to the Bible with these new spectacles or new lenses and say, well, actually, Bible or actually God, mm-hmm. it's like this. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. Yeah. And the, the the thing that's so so scary about that is that with some of these people, you're just like, okay, we'll see. And you don't you don't want you don't want it to get to we'll see on the last day when you are ultimately told this is how it is. You know, you want them to repent. Yeah. Right. But sometimes that's you know, that doesn't happen. Mm. And it's just you're you're you fear for them. Um, because yeah, I don't, I don't think, and I don't think that day is going to go how they think it's going to go. They think that you're, they're going to be able to stay their case for God, but when they stand before him, they're just going to buckle. I mean, and once again, every thought has to be brought before scripture because yeah. scripture addresses that. What is Matt? Matthew seven, right? Yeah. Uh, but Lord, well, look at what I did. Look at, look at all these things. Look yeah. at, look at my resume. Yeah. Well, Depart from me. I mean, it's in Scripture. Yeah. I, I don't want to reiterate what you just said, but... Yeah, it's there. It's right there. It's not a secret. Mm-hmm. It's not under wraps, you know? It's it's there for all of us to see, and, you know, we just have to, we have to stay in the Word, and we have to really just take it for what it is. We can't, we can't spin it. We can't try and, you know, change it. Uh, I know one of uh, the philosophers I had to read he was he proclaimed to be a Christian but he, you know philosophers are all weird right so he had he had this one quote that I actually I actually liked and he was like you know the Bible's actually pretty simple the problem is that we're swindlers and we try to make it sound like it's not saying what it's actually saying mm-hmm. because if we if, if it says what we know it's saying we're now compelled to do as it says and we don't yeah. want to do that yeah. right so you know he he was right on that on that account, but yeah, it's just we 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 cannot fall into the trap of uh, tarrying or waiting when we need to confess sin. Yeah, it's 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 hard, it's difficult after sinning to go straight to the throne, but that's where we need to go. Um, and I know I'm I'm not just speaking to the people listening; I'm speaking to myself as well. Like yeah. usual, it's like if if you're if you're preaching, if you're speaking, you are speaking to yourself as well as the congregation or your audience. 
Um, we're not we're not prideful enough to act like you know we don't have these same problems because we yeah. do. Um, do you have anything else to add for the uh, confession of sin, the prayer stuff? No, I think where you left off with God's word is a good uh, transition here into yeah. this next part. Yeah, so we are going to talk about um, a new cultural phenomenon um, in Canada. They have passed in, I think, I think it's Parliament, um, Bill C-4. And Bill C-4 uh, is, is an, a big issue for Christians at the moment. Um, I'm just going to read the bill itself, and then yeah. we'll talk about it. Um, so what the, it is banned is conversion therapy, okay? It is banned conversion therapy, which when you hear that, you say, okay, well, fine, right? But what the problem here is how they define conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I think, purposefully, I don't think, they did this purposefully, yeah, have made the definition of conversion therapy very, very loose in yeah. general. So let's see what they say. Um Conversion therapy means a practice, treatment, or service designed to A, change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual, B, change a person's gender identity to cisgender, and if you don't know what cisgender means, cisgender means the gender that is commonly prescribed to your sex, okay? Because um, we just, we're making things up now. Um Change a person C change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned at birth. D repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior. E rep- repress a person's non-cisgender um, identity or F repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to the person at birth. All those letters, I'm going to summarize them. You cannot tell someone that Homosexuality is wrong, and you cannot tell someone that transgender their transgenderism is wrong. Right. That's what it means, mm-hmm. okay? And they go on further and say, for greater certainty, this definition does not include a practice, treatment, or service that relates to the exploration or development of an integrated personal identity, such as a practice, treatment, or service that relates to a person's gender transition, and that is not based on an assumption that a particular sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression is to be preferred over the other. What this says is that you cannot stop, you can only go. Yeah. If someone thinks that they are, uh, they meant, they were meant to be a, a woman instead of a man, or a man instead of a woman, that has to be, it can only be encouraged. It cannot be told, you cannot say, that's not, you can't say it's a bad idea. You, you cannot say from Scripture that's bad. Yeah. That's a sin. You cannot say that if someone is having homosexual attractions and acting upon them, that that is sinful. You can't do that. You can only say, you go, girl. You go, boy. Right? All you can do is encourage it. And it's, it's explicitly stated here. Yeah. It says you can only encourage the exploration or development of an integrated personal identity. So all you can do is help these people go into their their dismay, yeah, basically. They're, they're forcing hands and saying, yes. like, yeah, you can't tell them that's no good. You can't, you yeah, you can't. legally have to say, yeah, okay, keep going. That's yeah. Fine. That's fine. All you can do is uh, show your appreciation for it. Um, and this is leading to a bunch of problems uh, in the Canadian Christian world because uh, that 
gray area, that generality is probably going to lead to people being put in jail. Yeah, right. Um, for a pain, apparently upwards to five years. Yeah. So um, let's let's look at the idea of conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the most common ones in the past were, of course, barbaric. Yeah. Right? The, the main ones that come up are hypnotism, mm-hmm. had no idea, um, electroshock therapy, and lobotomy. Okay, yeah. all two of these are um, one is in, one's invasive. One is uh, using electricity to make them no longer homosexual and hypnotism. Um, obviously, these are no good. Yeah, these are all why, horrible. Which is why they chose that phrase exactly. conversion therapy. Yes, um, but then you know, yeah, got, got none of the, none of what is 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 expressed in that bill. Has anything to do with either with of those. the classic yeah. ideas of conversion therapy? So they use these terms to make it so that just because any you could say preaching the gospel to someone and preaching God's law to someone and God's expectations to someone, all of those can fall under what are the words they use? They used um, uh, practice, treatment, and service. You could wrap. Any of the preaching the gospel to someone under any of those three terms, yeah. right? That's why it's fake. They're doing this on purpose. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the world being the world, right? Um, another big uh, part here was uh, John MacArthur was talking about um, this bill, and YouTube labeled what he said hate speech because he said God made us male and female. And that's <gasps> it. You know, hate speech. That's hate speech now. So they 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 blocked his uh, video. Did they, uh, they took it down or something? It, it YouTube censored a Bible based sermon labeling it as hate speech because it isn't pro LGBTQ plus. Okay. So Who now, would, if you disagree, that's hate speech. Yes, that's what they're um, saying. I don't know how far this has gone on YouTube. I don't know if they're just giving the ban hammer to everyone, uh, or if it. I think the reason. Hold on. Our team has reviewed your content, and unfortunately, we think it violates our hate speech policy. YouTube said, according to Starnes, we've removed the following content from YouTube. There is no such thing as transgender. You are either XX or XY. That's it, Pastor John MacArthur. So I think <laughs> so it's probably... they didn't like that statement. Yeah, they didn't like that. I think that might have been the title. I wouldn't be surprised if John MacArthur made that the title yeah. of, the, of the video. Yeah. But because of that title, it was taken down. Um, so this is the the situation in Canada right now. Um, and probably one of the most base things I've ever heard of is when this bill was issued the next Sunday, pastors just went straight to, you know, yeah. preaching against homosexuality. These, these were pastors in Canada. Yeah. Correct. Pastors in Canada. And so I think some in the U S honored that by doing it as well. Right. Right. Yeah. But, but still like these pastors, this put it all on the line. Yeah. They, prison. Prison. They, Seriously, honestly, I think James Coates had just came out of prison yeah. for the uh, for preaching during the the lockdowns, and um, if they if they pull this card, they could go right back, mm-hmm. right? So here we see just extreme faithfulness coming out of Canada in the midst of all of this, uh, because uh, this is clearly some slimy some slimy dealings over yeah. here in Canada uh, passing this bill because you know. You're either ignorant or you're evil looking at this and thinking it's okay. Yep. Um, especially when we look at the the just the the absolute horrors of what can happen to some of these people, especially young people, 
when they are um, swept up in these movements and these ideas, uh, kids can get chewed up and spit out mm-hmm. because of this stuff. Like mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, getting mixed up in, you know, homosexual practices, um, as well as, you know, when you start pumping hormones, that that can change you for life. That yeah. can possibly sterilize you. And the fact that we're not warning children about these things, that you're you're letting like an eight-year-old kid yeah. make a decision for the rest of their life. You wouldn't let an eight-year-old kid drive, vote. You wouldn't let them make their own meals, and you but you'll let them do this. And it's all um, for the sake of these these ideologies, for the sake of these um, these banners. And it's it's a uh, it's just it's just a symbol of. Uh, the depravity, honestly, mm-hmm. the symbol of just the fact that we, we've just strayed so far from God that this is just judgment after judgment after judgment yeah. happening, um, which is, it's a shame. Um, but let's, let's look at kind of what the Bible says about these things, yeah. because um, as, as important as it is for us to support what's happening within the, in the light of our pastors and our people kind of, uh, fighting against uh, Bill C-4, we need to understand ourselves how to deal with these issues, yeah. right? So when it comes to uh, dealing with the gay issue, right, uh, we can just say flat out the Bible condemns homosexuality. Yes. Uh, there's no way around that. It is, that is simply how it is. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'm not sorry, Mm-mm. but you know, I'm sorry that I'm sorry that you're having a hard time yeah, with it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's look for example um, in Matthew, right? So whenever I I'm watching debates and stuff, because sometimes I'll just you know be chilling at home and I'll I'll pop a debate on, you know, and just listen to it in the background. I'll listen to uh, James White. Just who, uh, who doesn't do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll listen to you know James White just school some people. But there's something he he was in an argument or a debate about homosexuality, and this was probably one of the most telling uh, points. It's probably one of the end all be all points here. Um, he says this uh, when he is making his opening statement or his opening remarks or his his uh, foundational arguments. He takes them to Matthew 19. Um, and the Pharisees uh, came up to him and tested him by saying, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that it he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Whatever, What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So... The point James White was making here by using this argument is that Jesus is taking things back to Genesis. Mm-hmm. Jesus' argument for the the establishment of marriage, because that's that's what it's all about, right? Of yep. what what is marriage? His foundational argument against the Pharisees is first off, have you not read? Imagine that being the insult. Do you just you haven't read? Mm-hmm. Have you not read this? Mm-hmm. Like, almost surprised. He takes them back to Genesis and says, this is how it was established. Man and woman shall leave their family, leave their father and mother, and be joined together. So here we have what we call a positive affirmation for what marriage is. This should be 
you know, close the book, we're done, mm-hmm. right? Having the positive affirmation of what this is, saying that's a dog should be it. That should yeah. just qualify everything that's not a dog, right? <laughs> so we have the positive affirmation of him saying, man and woman, that is what marriage is, okay? And when we look at, uh, I think James White uses this example as well, but when you look at how people um, study or how people catch counterfeiters for money, right? I'm sure you've used, heard this example you don't study the fakes. You study the authentic yeah. bill. If you know what the real bill looks like, you can point out any fake. Mm. And it's the same thing here. If you know what real marriage is, you know what isn't marriage. Yeah. Okay? So that's where we're going to start. Mm-hmm. And then we can, you know, take it even further. We'll go, let's look at some of the negative condemnations. All right? Um, uh, Let's look at Leviticus because that this is the this is the favorite one, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, people listen, Leviticus. It's the Old Testament law. Do you wear multiple fabrics? <laughs> do you eat shellfish? I bet you do. So you know it doesn't matter. So here's the thing, um, <laughs> Leviticus eighteen twenty two, right? Uh, you shall not lie with the male as with a woman. It is abomin. It is abomination. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's pretty hefty, right? That's a, saying it's an abomination. That's pretty hardcore, yeah. right? Uh, there's no way around that. Now, this isn't going to be a segment today, but a quick flyover. In the Old Testament, you have civil law, moral law, and you have ceremonial law, okay? Now, these three things serve three different functions, okay? The ceremonial law is to point us forward to Christ and what he will do through his life and his death for us, okay? So we're going to leave that there Right now. We can talk about this later, but not right now, right? Um, There's the civil law. The point of the civil law is to separate the Israelites from the surrounding people, right? It's like when, it's a a more uh, uh, diluted version, but it's like when you go on a trip with your youth group. Um, what uh, What my leader would do is they would have us wear a, a t-shirt yeah. <laughs> that's the same, right? So that when I look out into the crowd, I see mine, yep. right? That's the idea with the civil law. Mm-hmm. It's like you will be set apart. You will be different from the surrounding people groups. You will not be like them. You will not only be holy and set apart spiritually to me. Mm-hmm. You will be set apart you know, b- by look. Yeah. I will be able to tell you're different, okay? That's important. So that's civil law. And then there's the moral law. Moral law is, it is a sin, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, 2,000 years in the future, 2,000 years in the past, yeah. doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? So this is where they, they fall, because everyone, you know, there's the, the classic uh, West Wing uh, thing that uh, all the, the preachers refer to, is where, like, the president's like, well, can they play with the pigskin football? Because it's a, it's a dead it's a dead pig, right? <laughs> Who? Uh, well, my uh, my uh, friend is. So, oh, I can't I can't roll the example. It's like this smug guy's acting yeah. like president. He's like saying, "Can uh, can my can I uh, can I uh, sell my daughter into slavery or whatever? Because she's got a she's you can speak multiple languages. How much does she? It's like okay, okay, <laughs> thank you, appreciate it, good job. Yeah, um, proud of you. But and like, I mean. Context again, yeah. You know, like clearly, when people use those to to try and justify homosexuality and other things, it's like you know that you're stretching. Yeah, you just yeah. know it. Um, and then you have like of of course the biggest one in the Old Testament, probably Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Yeah. Uh, people like to say that it's no, it wasn't that they were you know trying to 
it wasn't that they were, you know, homosexuals, that they were trying to rape the people. And it's like, uh, two things can be true at once, yeah. right? Like, why not both? <laughs> why not both? Right? Because it's like, both. Um, because Lot says, like, guys, contain your wickedness, yeah. right? And, and people like to look back and say, well, you know, uh, th- they were actually condemned with being uh, inhospitable. It's like, really? They were inhospitable? <laughs> the only story of someone being uh, hospitable in the in, about Sodom and Gomorrah is they are trying to break down a door to, like, sexually assault someone. Yeah, I'd say they aren't hospitable, right? But all these things can be true at once. Yeah. They're, the, the, sin in one place will spill over to sin in another place. And we have to understand that we're looking back at these these people groups, right? Um, the, the 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 depravity in Sodom and Gomorrah had gotten to the point to where, like, the men were just trying to break down a door. And when this is my favorite example, uh, James White gives, he says, not only were they trying to break down the door, they were blinded at one point. At one point, the angels blinded them. And instead of being like, hold on, I'm blind now, they just kept grasping for the door. Yeah. The fact they were blinded did not stop them. Like, this is a ravenous picture yeah. they're trying to paint, okay? I don't think this is the one you want to defend if you're if you're fighting for the, no. the context of homosexuality, right? Mm. So we can move on from there. And then let's look at uh let's look at um uh first Corinthians six, right? So here we have uh, Paul writing to the the Corinthians, right? Um, sorry, it starts in uh, it's chapter six, verse nine. My bad. But he says, "Or do you not know that uh, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God." It is in black and white. Yeah. Now, a lot of the arguments are um, uh, Jesus didn't specifically say homosexuality is bad. Okay, He did say that by giving us the positive affirmation of what marriage is. Mm-hmm. He tells us what marriage is. If it doesn't fall in those lines, it's not marriage. It's not right. Man, like that That should just put it all to bed. I mean, really. like So many times. What, what I hear a lot from, uh, I guess, like, more more liberal Christians, I guess you can say, is like, well, I'm just going to hang on to what Jesus said. I'm like, okay, you do that because he he, up, he upholds it all. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, read the verse. Jesus said that. He yeah. said male and female. I mean, what what more? And then you have the explanation that all scriptures God breathed. Yeah. They're, the The Trinity is not splitting up and signing off on some parts of the Bible yeah. and not others, right. right? If Paul said it, it was endorsed by Christ, mm-hmm. okay? And that's that's the point. Um, uh, when we look at, uh, like how we said to Timothy, like, listen, it's all God-breathed. Um, if, if, it's, if it's stated here, which has been stated multiple ways, then that's just how it is, and you've got to deal with that. Um but people, a, a big thing that we see happening is we see uh, this idea of having a disposition towards something equaling permission. Mm. So, okay, someone has a disposition towards homosexuality. That is something they deal with. Well, sorry, it's it's how I am. It's how God made me, right? I was born that way. I was born that way. 
when we will not make that concession for any other sin. Yeah. None of them. You like it, it, it sounds ludicrous when I say this, but gay Christian mm-hmm. that does not exist. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because if I were to change that and say murdering Christian, yeah. thieving Christian, lying Christian, these things clearly do not do not compute, right? Yeah, right. So we, we and can't, who who is going to say, well, that person, you know, is a murderer, but you know, that I I believe they, they have still a love disposition Jesus. like disposition I, towards murdering. They can't help it. They have the uh, the, what is it, the serial killer gene. The serial killer so gene. they were born yeah. that way. I mean, you don't you just don't hear that. Yeah, but you're right for homosexuality, exactly. for transgenderism. I mean, yeah, you, you for do. all of it. There, there is we are we are held accountable for what we do, mm. right? It doesn't matter what disposition because I'm not even going to say you don't have a disposition. You may, but yeah. guess what? Um, Christ covers all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, how many people, you know, how many followers of Christ have literally given it all, have died horrifically? Okay, if they're willing to do that. Are you just going to say, "Well, I'm not willing to, you know, give up"? Mm-hmm. Maybe you, maybe your your life that God has has planned for you is to be celibate. Yeah. And and these are the these are the times we have to ask ourselves: Is Christ enough? Is Christ enough in light of me not getting married? Is Christ enough in light of me not being able to pursue relationships? And if, if your if your answer is, I don't think so, then well, there you're, there's your answer, right? I know these are hard questions to ask. These are hard things to say because, you know, it, it's it's hard to tell someone that. But, I mean, when we look at what Christ has done for us, how can you answer any other way, mm-hmm. right? And that's 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 why, you know, when it comes to this issue, there's just so many, there's so many ways people can kind of like try to weasel in and out of the, the arguments and everything, but you have, to, you have to keep everything kind of centered in love, which is what Paul does, which we're going right. to get to that in a second. I just want to make sure we covered all the bases here. Um, yeah, we can't we can't allow for our feelings to kind of come into play and say, "Oh, well, I feel I can do, I can feel as though I can do this." Because a lot of times, if if it's our feelings that are guiding us, we're probably being guided somewhere we don't want to go, mm-hmm. right? Um, so always weigh your weigh your feelings against Scripture, and I think you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and Unless you have to be willing to let Scripture speak. Exactly. Yes. You have to be willing yes. to say, even though I feel this way, yeah. I feel very strongly about this. I'm yeah. looking at Scripture. Scripture is telling me that I'm wrong. Yes. So, okay, God, I'm wrong. I'm You've wrong. You've got to be willing. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit will help you help you get there. Even if you're out there now, mm-hmm. you know, the Holy Spirit will will guide you. Um, so here's here's this is this is the end of it. Like right here, this verse I'm about to read. We've we start we should have ended already, right? It should be yeah. over. But in case in case you've got to have an epilogue scripture beatdown, or you know, I'm not gonna say beatdown because these these are considered like the the thump, Bible thumping verses, yeah, or whatever. I'm just kidding. I was I was being a little facetious. I was doing a moderate amount of trolling. I'm he, sorry. You got excited. I got a little excited. <laughs> um, but this is something this is something worth getting excited for, right? Because this is where your your discussion where the yeah. argument with a, a gay person should always lead, mm-hmm. right? And this is where, you know, um, this is where your mind, whoever you're talking to, whenever you're engaging with this, is that you're no different, mm-hmm. right? You 
you both needed a savior. Right. That's the common ground you have. Yeah. Is that you are both sinners. It's like um, I love the I love the uh, example Doug Wilson gave. He was like, "Are you messed up? Are you a sinner? Well, guess what? You're qualified for a savior. Like you're the person <laughs> that the savior's looking for. You are the per- you're the perfect applicant, right? Um, so when we look at Corinthians, right, we have to remember the kind of people group that Paul's talking to. They're you know they're wiling out here. Okay, they're going crazy. Okay, so when we read him indict all these people, because I'm just going to read the same thing again, right? He indicts all these things. He's saying, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. I'll read it again. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, which means all sexual immorality. Guess what? Heterosexuals, you are not, you know, you don't get to, Skirt by because you're not gay, right? Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And stop right here, right? Because these people who are reading this and having this read to them, that's them. Yeah. That's their names. They're here. Oh, yeah. That's you. That's you. That's you. That's you. That's you, right? They be, they're being convicted. Yeah. And then we have just this, this wonderful verse where Paul says, and such were some of you. You were this. These things that God will not let inherit the king of heaven, you were these things. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Here we have... Paul telling them that you come as you are, but you will be transformed. You will be changed. Okay. And this is something that you cannot, you can't, you can't, you know, contradict this. You can't say that this isn't what's expected. You know, like you can't say, all right, all these things cannot be inherited. You are these things, but you've been washed. He's literally saying, this is the Holy Spirit's work in your lives, is that he has washed you. You've been justified by Christ. You can now enter the kingdom of God, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, mm. It's just, like, I, I love that. I love that scripture so, so much. It's like, clearly, Paul, in, in writing this, is building up to that verse. Yes, you know? right? And it's such a shame that people take the sins that he mentions and try to figure out ways to justify it. And they make that the main thing when you're like, no, 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 keep reading, keep reading though. You you can say all you want. You can do all you want to say, well, he didn't really mean homosexual because that blah, 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 you know, all the arguments, well, the word and the Hebrew Greek, blah, blah, whatever. You're making the main thing, the, not the main thing, the main thing. Keep going to verse 11. Yeah. That's the kicker. Such were some of you. That's what Paul's getting at is all of these things. And that list is not an all encompassing list yeah. that he gave. I mean, you, you, whatever the sin is, you fill and it honestly, in. Honestly, a lot of things are encompassed here because yeah. he put in idolaters and mm-hmm. you know, that's where a, a hefty amount of our sins even come from. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. And the kicker is verse 11. And man, like how much, how much hope yeah. is found there? Like after, cause it's just, it's just the perfect, you know, the perfect, you know, combo, mm-hmm. right? He 
he is he's laying out this like hopeless situation. Yeah. This is what you are. You are hopeless. Mm-hmm. He says, but in spite of your hopelessness, Christ has died for you. Yeah. And since Christ died for you, you've been transformed. Mm-hmm. You've been taken out of these things, mm-hmm. right? So don't make the things he saved you from mm-hmm. the thing you're trying to be saved to because that's, that's what they're doing. They want that thing yeah. to keep it, but also to be saved. But they're clearly not being saved from it because they're not being saved from what they're being saved from. Yeah. They're saying, all right, I want to be saved, but uh, I don't consider this thing something <laughs> I'm being saved from. Well, where's that... F- Puts you and it puts us right back in John one, yeah. where you're saying I'm not sinning. Mm-hmm. So this is the main issue here. Like to to say, you know, struggling with homosexuality, you know, it's understandable. Where people struggle with different a myriad of different things that can lead to sin. But the, the, there's a that's a different ball game than looking at sin and saying that's not sin. Yeah, I don't need to be saved from that. That's a problem. I, I'd say I'd say you're probably in the danger zone. Going there, most definitely. Yeah, um, but I, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? Because I, I think that last verse is just. In you know, whenever you read the verse, such were some of you, but you were, but like we can also say, are you right now? Like, are you listening to this? And are you currently? Do you do you say that's me? Uh, fornicator, idolater, adulterer. Homosexual, a thief, yeah. a coveter, a drunk, reviler, swindler. If that is you, Christ died for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so we don't have to say anything more. If that is if that is you, we're not sitting here beating you over the yeah, head. Seriously. We're not we're not telling you, you idiot, you we're telling you the hope. Is in Jesus yeah, Christ. I mean, we, we had to, we had to get you to verse eleven, right? Yeah. We couldn't just take you to verse eleven because yeah. We, yeah, we like like we talked about. You got to see how bad the situation is yeah. before you see the light, before you appreciate the light, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's just the the best way of doing it is like looking looking at how much how much Christ's blood covers, yeah, right, and appreciating that, understanding that, and then mm-hmm. you can you can and if you understand that, then you'll be uplifted by the fact that. That's what you were. Yes. You were those things. You don't seek you, to be those things yes, again. Exactly. Man, it, we we can't remove ourselves from this. I, Jacob, yeah. that's what I was. That's yes. what you were. And verse 11 is now our reality because of what Christ has done, you know, yeah. because we trust in him. And he's going to be working in you for the rest of your life. That mm-hmm. is until you die, Mason. Unfortunately, we've talked about it. Uh, sanctification is not a a week long to month long thing. It is unfortunately until we mm. we kick the bucket. You know, um, <laughs> I, yeah. I haven't found scripture to say the contrary. So, mm. um, sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. And you know, students. Last thing, you're gonna have, and you probably do have people right now who are telling you, "Well, no, the Bible doesn't really say that." Yeah, I can be gay. I can yeah. be transgender. I can has do these things. God really said? Yeah. Has God really said that you can't be gay? Has God really said that these things are sins? Are you sure about that? This is the oldest trick in the book, students. It's the oldest trick in the book. It's yeah. the first one that Satan played, Yeah. right? So it's important to understand what the Bible says. It's important to be confident in being, being founded, being grounded on what the Bible says and believing that God's Word is true and standing on it and having the courage at a young age to be able to say, hey, 
Yeah, I, I do disagree with you because this is what the Bible says. And doing it out of love. And doing it out of love. That's important. Because, you know, facts and logic only take you so far, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have love. Mm-hmm. You can't just be owning people yeah. with facts and logic. That's yeah. not what it's all about. Because nobody about. likes that person anyways. Yeah, no one likes that person. No matter, no matter how successful they are, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, that was good. That was a fun one, dude. I enjoyed it. Uh, we'll see y'all next time. Yeah, we will. See Catch you guys. Catch you later.